Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecue. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello champs. This is a particularly juicy episode, please. It's lovely and funny, but also it's a brainy one. I'm hoovering with the co-founder of Zoe Nutrition. It's Jonathan Wolf. He's an absolute clever clogs. If you've never heard of Zoe, they are, in my opinion, amazing. Um, they are a... Oh, I don't know how to describe it. He describes them in the podcast, so I'll let him do it officially. I believe that they are revolutionising... I'm going to say starting a revolution and popularising a massive re-education in terms of how we learn about and how we perceive and how we action health benefits and or negatives of food and drink and the things that we eat and consume. They look at things um, from the point of view of gut health. I'm not doing them justice. I'm going to let you wait until we get into the podcast in just a few moments and let Jonathan describe himself what they do. But they are taking like enormous studies. Anyone can become part of their studies to look at actually how different types of eating affect different people uniquely and individually. And Oh, they are doing some incredible work in terms of myth busting, overturning, you know, absolute rubbish that we've been taught over the decades. I think they're amazing. And I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with him. Um, First, though, thanks for listening to Hoovering. Could you do me a favour and tell everyone else about it? Thanks. You can do that in one easy way by just subscribing to the podcast or giving it a five star review. I need to tell you there's a Hoovering Live coming up Saturday, the 8th of October, 1 p.m., at the Ballum um, Bedford Pub. It's a part of a new podcast festival that sounds really lovely. There's brilliant other podcasts on as well. It's called The Cheerful Earful. I will have an amazing guest or two. It's at 1pm. It's at lunchtime. Come and join us. Have some lunch. We can eat, talk about eating. We can meet. It would be so nice. Please come. If you are my patron, you get a third off your ticket price. There should be a message in your inbox at time of listening. If you don't know what being my patron is... Uh, excuse me, can you go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see all sorts of amazing things I will swap you in exchange for as little as two quid a month towards keeping this podcast afloat, um, including discount tickets to live shows like the Cheerful Earful on the 8th of October at 1pm. My show as a stand-up, Wench, is well on tour now. I'm into the tour. I've already been to Bath and Maidenhead. I've been to Maidenhead the night the Queen died. You're welcome. I stayed and did the show. You're so 
welcome. Anyway, um, I'm coming all over the place, um, all over September, October, November. I've still got Colchester, Newcastle, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Exeter, Dorchester, Salisbury, loads of places. Bristol, I'm in a huge venue in Bristol. There's hundreds of you already coming. London, massive venue. That one's nearly sold out, even though it's an absolute whopper. Come, 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 please, and see Wench. I would love to have you, Hoovering listeners, at that show. Tickets to where to come and see Hoovering live and to come and see Wench on tour are, as ever, there's a link in the podcast notes, but also, as always, they're in my website, jessicafostercute.com. Click on my doings. So let's get into this. The only warning really is that Jonathan and I do talk about body weight, but only in the sense that I ask to clarify some of the language sometimes in Zoe's output about weight loss as a motivator. I'm pretty open about that. I don't think being very useful, but we clear that up really early on. Um, No other warnings really, other than to prepare yourself, please, for what I'm going to say about my own podcast is I think this is a really fascinating and hopefully fun, engaging conversation. Yeah, I think it's OK to blow your own trumpet that much when you're lucky enough to have guests as brilliant as this. Also, don't worry about an um, eating noise. I think anybody who listens to this podcast can't be too fussy about hearing eating, but also... That's yeah. really funny. I was thinking that I've got food in front of me and that if I ever did that during my own podcast yeah. and Rich, who's the producer would shout at me and possibly quit. So I love the fact that you're encouraging me I know. to stuff my face while we're talking. Well, it's literally the podcast. What the podcast is would be so, um, would be lost without it, actually. I do know people who are like, I'm so interested in eating, but they've got, there's a name for it, isn't there? Like a proper um, a phobia. Is it misophobia? Mi- the- misophonia, I think. And misophonia, the reason why I know this it. is that my son uh, looked this up on his phone this weekend because... My wife has this, but it's very oh. specific. It's only the way that I eat and drink <gasps> that drives her mad. She's totally fine with everybody else in the world. So I don't know if that is misophonia or just very specific, something to do with being married. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she she totally has this. She can't bear the way yeah. that, uh, that the sounds I make when I eat. And um, after this, she'll probably prove to the whole world who listens to this podcast that I'm a really noisy eater. So I'll be like, okay. That is like so that. funny. I love it. Well, Okay, so first things first, we're both, we've met on Zoom, because life is full, Um, but we're both, we've met, actually it's a surprise what each other are having for lunch, although you have sent me a really beautiful photo, and actually I think we've gone comically similar in our efforts when it came to lunch, so I would love to know please what you're having for lunch. I think the brief was something like, are we, eat something that makes you feel like you're going to live forever. And basically try and really <laughs> impress each other when it comes certainly to gut health. We'll see how we do. So this actually is what I always eat on uh, on Monday. So I oh. work mainly from home. Right. Um, and so actually uh, I was really disorganized, had, had sort of missed this brief. So there was only one thing I was going to pretty much, which is this. So uh, it is a salad, right. uh, but that doesn't mean it's mainly leaves. In fact, there okay. is a little bit of leaves but there is an entire buffalo mozzarella in it which already i think probably Whoa. cheers people up who are yeah. thinking about this there are lots of different plants which is mm. one of the key things if you want to understand how to i don't think anyone can promise you to live forever jess but no, i, I know actually to... i think that's probably one thing that quite literally no one can promise us but there we go i'm definitely not promising that but i think yeah. if you would like to maximize sort of healthy living which mm-hmm. i think is probably more more achievable then uh, i think one of the things that the science really talks about now is this amazing power of all of these different plants and so this diversity yeah. of plants is really important so i have got in here um artichokes Ooh. out of a tin because they stay in oil for ages uh, olives also out of a tin i've yeah. got some beetroot uh, i've got some sweet corn i've got some uh tomatoes uh and mm. i have got some quinoa also out of a packet just all Lovely. pre-cooked from yeah. the uh, supermarkets, all super easy. And then uh, covered in lots of olive oil, mm. uh, also balsamic vinegar, which is mainly sugar, but tastes really good. And that's so okay. Yeah. This is all about how you put this all, all together. Yeah. Uh, and then I have sprinkled on um, some seeds, Ooh, which I, I like and add. Each seed is actually a plant. So like yeah. mixed seeds, you add of like course. half a dozen in- instantly. So yep. it's, a, it's a brilliant sheet. Uh, and then I have added some sumac, which mm. is new for me. 
And Lovely. I did a podcast with this amazing scientist who's also sort of expert on spices. Amazing. And there's all of this new evidence that spices don't just taste great. They actually really do have properties that can uh, improve your health. And this is still relatively early. Anyway, she convinced me and my wife that we need to start to introduce spice, which Great. I have always sort of thought of as like, that's when you have like a curry or yeah. a Thai food, you know, like it's exotic and foreign. We've and got very, very British takes on yeah. that, haven't we? Where we're that's like, oh, exactly. seasoning, that's for, that's exactly. for a treat. <laughs> that's exactly. for an evening so treat. Ex- <laughs> you're, you're, you're so right. So that's <laughs> definitely how I, I, I grew up and, and, and Justin also. So we went out, Justin actually went out and bought about 15 spices after listening to this podcast now the only problem is we don't really know what to do with them and kanchan who did this who's indian is like totally confident she tells you about all the easy ways you can do it but actually if you're you're not a chef and i'm definitely not um it's still a bit intimidating but sumac Mm. is like you can add to everything so i'm like okay that's easy so that added on salt and pepper and uh it's in front of me glorious um okay well feel free to start eating that and eat that as we chat i've gone Thank quite you. similar in the sense i didn't have loads of time to prep um but i've got a salad with an avocado i am um, i do lots of i'm really hungry basically i've already done some exercise today and i've got more to, that i'm going to go and do later for fun for joy That's great. i have got half an avocado i haven't mucked about also i don't know how much longer it was it was for this world so I, I, and you know I, what? I have avocado in this one as well. I just forgot right. about it because avocado is an almost magical food in terms of oh. its health properties. So oh, uh, I love it. It's it. so delicious. If um, I've got some orange pepper, some tomatoes, I've got two. I've got like um, the the dying ends of a lettuce, but I felt snazzy about it because it had some darker leaves. And I've been watching your output about is it polyphenols in the dark polyphenols? That's right. Polyphenols. Yes, I'm saying it that's wrong. Right. Um, and then some lamb's lettuce, which my partner can never remember the name of and calls lamb's legs. And she's vegetarian. So that always tickles me, um, especially when I'm yeah, I'm having a really planty lunch with no meat anywhere near it. Um, some really lovely olives from a, I'm afraid, a plastic packet rather than a jar. But yeah, they've been around for a while. And then the and then the main bit is I've got these like. I think the original company was called Dr. Cogs, but now M&S do a perfect rip-off version of these like chunky Ooh, crisp bread that? things. They're covered in oh. seeds, yep. but they're like, they're a bit thicker than a, it's a sort of like a leveled up modern Rivita. I, I was going to say, it looks they're like a very, so good. it looks like a sort of Ponzi Rivita. Is that? Yeah, the, it's a Ponzi Rivita, a, but, and, but, and they were, I mean, the original, I shouldn't, I maybe I'll cut it out, but like the original, but they really have priced them up, but M&S and, Lidl have copied them brilliantly and they're covered in seeds on the bottom and then I've got and the bit that I so first of all I'll brag I've also pickled my own beetroot okay that is very impressive that's my spicy element um it's so easy but um there's some star anise and some chili seeds in with the pickle so I've used, I haven't got oil, but I've used some be, of the I should be calling liquor. you to understand uh, how to add spices to my food. <laughs> I'm impressed. That's way above my pay grade. <laughs> these have been pickled. I would say I've been away. I've been working away all summer. So these are now, I'm going to say borderline unpleasantly spicy, but I, I, I'm into it. Um, and then I've got this, the only kind of, I would say, I'm sort of I'm not embarrassed um but the only processed bit like beyond just the making of cheese is that I've got this like blue cheese spread on top and then I did some bonus seeds on top of that but the blue cheese is it's Santa Gur and they've brought out this oh god I mean I love Santa Gur and I should have just brought that if I was trying to be really show off to you but they've brought out this one it's like a Santa Gur cream and it's basically the blue cheese but with added milk and then some E numbers. And it's so, it's so delicious. So that's like my protein on there. And then um, and a glass of kefir to plain kefir to really show off some fermented yogurt drink. Uh, well, I think that's very, very impressive. Thanks. So, uh, well, you too. I was, I was, I was worried that you were going to be like, my God, your, your lunch sounds so healthy. So now I'm actually, no. ah, I'm, I love um, everything. I just love eating loads of everything. Nutritionally dense, glorious foods and also whatever I feel like. But I think actually, so for me, if I have permission to eat whatever I want, including stuff that's new, got nothing really in it nutritionally, it just tastes nice. Then um, if I know I can have it whenever I want, 
I don't actually want it all the time. Like I think I think that's, that's really an, it's really interesting. I think one of the things we talk a lot about at Zoe is the idea that no food is off limits. Yeah. Um, and and my background, to be clear, I'm 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 not a dietitian. I don't come. Yeah. From, I don't have a nutrition science background. My my background is much more sort of sort of data science, but. And many, many um, nutritionists and uh, and dietitians in the company. And I think this is one of the big insights that they bring, which yeah. is that there is so much guilt associated with food, mm. and this leads to really terrible uh, behavior. And mm-hmm. actually, it leads people also to this thing where they start to cut out all of these foods. I'm trying to be healthy, and that's about yeah. removing things. And actually, what's really interesting is all the latest science says it's the reverse. So yeah. what you want to be doing is very similar to the meal you're eating. It's about yeah. diversity. It's about how do you add things in. Yeah. So you know, nothing should be off limits. The question is yeah. when you look at your overall diet, so mm-hmm. what are you eating across the week? Clearly, if you eat cake twice a day for a whole week, you're probably not going to feel great at the end mm-hmm. of, of the week. Equally well, if you're saying, oh, you can never have cake, like it's it's miserable. Yeah. So yeah, that doesn't make sense like, either. Yeah. And it's not yeah. true also. I think that's really important. It's not true that you could sort of contaminate yourself by yeah. like I have a bit of cake and somehow my it's a poison for my book. This is not mm. true, right? So this is about understanding like what's the overall um, intake and how are you doing something that, I mean, I think the question is what motivates you, but for yeah. many of us, it's like just feeling good yeah feeling good exactly that yeah yeah mm, yum in my tongue it's so interesting you said that thing about poisoning it does feel like there's um there's a particularly strong fad in kind of oh, i suppose like instagram wellness uh, influencers at the moment talking about food being toxic or clean I think that's the latest kind of diet industry language I would say isn't it it's about um you know th- things being poisonous or you know a dirty and it's like oh gosh it really that that's a well from everything I feel like I've learned so far that's such an overly basic view of uh, nutrition. I, I think though, what, what's interesting is you know I, I've been lucky enough to spend the last so I guess six years with a lot of the best nutritional scientists in the yeah. world. Um, and what's interesting is I've never once heard them use the word clean. Mm-hmm. I never once heard them use the word toxic, except for like literally there's like a toxic bacteria, which if you get yeah. it in your mouth will kill you. Okay, yeah. that's toxic. So yeah. I've, I've heard them use it in that context only. Um, so these aren't words that are, that are used. And I think what's yeah. interesting is even... Um, with people who have serious food intolerances. Um, and that was um, part of the reason I got into Zoe originally is I had food intolerances in my twenties, but even uh-huh. with people who have really serious food intolerances and I was lucky I never had so seriously, um, you know, if they're not allergies, which is a separate thing, again, mm-hmm. it, it's not like these foods are toxic to you. It's about, you can only manage a certain quantity. Yeah. And I think increasingly we believe that this is very related to your gut microbiome, the state yeah. of these sort of trillions of bacteria inside you. And that actually there's probably a pathway where if you can sort of improve your gut microbiome and improve your gut, then mm. actually you might well be able to eat a lot more of these foods that are yeah. currently causing you the problem. So again, it's the reverse of excluding them. It's actually yeah. understanding how do you build more and more diversity? How do you add more of these um, these good foods, which tend to be things that are supporting your gut? So it's a lot of plants, which are all very different. that have all, all of these different fibers and chemicals in that feed different little bugs inside you yeah. can actually really improve. And so I think that's that's really brilliant because it's the reverse of it's all about thinking about how many calories you eat yeah. and you've got to constrain and you've got to stop now. Or yeah. it's all about how you mustn't eat gluten because it's bad for everybody. Um, because I think all of those are they're quite depressing, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about food, which is a is a great pleasure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the ethos of this podcast <laughs> through and through. Take joy where there is joy. Um, but obviously, it's just it, it is so interesting. So I guess actually maybe talk to me a little bit about Zoe, which you're the co-founder of, just in case anybody listening to my silly podcast haven't heard of you yet. Oh, I mean, I'm sure lots of them haven't. Um, and I'm sorry, I should have explained that already. No, so, not yes. all. So, so um, Zoe is... Uh, about personalized nutrition. We actually mm-hmm. run the world's new largest nutrition science study in order to understand how each of us, uh, our bodies respond to food. And that's because it turns out that we're not all the same. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, 
you're probably thinking, well, it's obvious we're not all the same, right? But actually the way that um, science has talked about um, food, but actually to be honest, most things in terms of healthcare, right? It's It, it creates a sort of one size fits all yeah. plan for all of us because it's hard enough to understand just like that one single piece of advice before you get to the point that actually we're not all the same. Yeah. Um, and so what Zoe is doing is trying to understand how do each of us respond to food so that we can understand what's best for us in order to, above all, improve our health, uh, but yeah. also help us to manage our weight. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. Um, and I think in terms of our conversation today, because I think with this podcast, um, I don't know, that that focus on, that also that focus on weight loss, I think I've um, I've... I've been on a journey over the course of four years of doing this podcast personally and in terms of the conversations I've had and in terms of the education I've had and still feel like it's one of those things, isn't it, where I, I imagine you have this more than anyone, but because you're so deep into the actual science of it. But, um, you know, the more you know, the more you know you've got to know. Um, but I have come to, yeah. I, I think, a, a quite a fundamental belief personally that our, our kind of obsession as a society with, um, with weight with our weight is actually sort of really unhelpful in terms of a conversation about health. And that's, so I think for the purposes of our conversation, if you're up for it, I'm going to sideline the weight thing um, because the, the stuff to do with your work that I'm so kind of passionate about and in, in, impressed by is um, that we're learning more about sort of actually how we eat can genuinely affect our physical and mental health like actual wellness from like roots up because actually you know I've come to a place where um you know if I was on a BMI chart I'm I'm obese but I am the healthiest I've ever been I'm the strongest the fittest but I'm eating so well I'm drinking the least you know but you know I'm not bragging I'm saying but I've come to that from a place of giving up trying to be thin because that was never going to happen for me so I have had to I, I but, you know, and there would have been a long patch of time where I don't think I'd have been even been able to look at work that's focused on weight loss because it feels like it's asking me to do something. I, I That can't be my focus. And I think it's the same for a lot of people. It comes back down to what you just said, actually. I think if you say to people, well, you need to change your body. And to do that, you're going to have to do less of this, isn't this? I think even if that, like, well, you don't need to change your body. You just need to adopt, put more plants in, put as many plants as you can into your diet. And, you know, do this, that, the other bit, do more of these things and and take do things, I think, for the motivation of feeling better and taking joy where there is joy. And then you've got this. I don't know. I have a different mindset on that. So but I've still, I mean, I'm so impressed by the stuff you guys have done. There's so many surprises, aren't there? I wonder if we could get into some of those like. Um, I, I, I did. And just before we do that, I yeah, just yeah. say. Um, that I really agree with everything you said. So, you know, Zoe is not a weight loss program. That's not at all what it's focused on. I think that it is focused on understanding like what's the right food for you that works with your biology that is going to sustain your long-term health. And really as a byproduct of that, you should have better control over your weight than you have done in the past. So we see very widely varying outcomes with the current advice that we give uh, in terms of weight. But what's clear is we always talk about healthy weight, right? What matters ultimately is is your health. And I think that what is interesting is for a lot of people when they go on the the program with Zoe, is the thing that they're really struck by is a shift in energy. And we yeah. get these really amazing results where sort of more than 80% of people who are following the uh, the program say, look, I've just got more energy than I had before. Mm. And so they don't necessarily come in thinking that's the thing that they're most interested yeah. in. But I think it sounds a bit like your own own journey, Jess. Like yeah. that's a really profound um, shift. And I think what's interesting is the science, and maybe this is, this is where you want to go, increasingly shows this link between what we eat, not just, I think, to some of the more obvious sort of metabolic things, like whether you might yeah. get diabetes or heart mm-hmm. disease. But I think really, really amazing is all of this new research about how it affects things like our mood yeah. can even impact whether or not we get depression. Oh, and, I mean, you know, those isn't that new, extraordinary? New I, I, I mean, think so. Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I mean... There, there are. It's like you say. I think we think of things in such binary or kind of black and white terms, don't we? In the sense of, I think most people know that if all you ate was Mars bars or McDonald's is for a week, you know, the supersize me, you know, those kind of very kind of um, on the nose experiments. Of course, you're going to feel like shit. Um, but then there's. I don't think we think about the nuance in that 
as often and often you're not in control. I mean, you know, we're busy. People have constraints in terms of what they can afford, et cetera. Uh, how, you know, how many, you know, they've got families, stress, sleep, masses of things, other things, but just in terms of like what you eat, if you, if you are able to get to a point where you're tuned in to, I can't tell the difference between how one meal has made me feel particularly. I think that's the end game. I think you do get people who are so mindful and do everything so, you know, slowly and on point that they're like, well, that carrot made me really buzzy for 20 minutes. I can't think of it like that, but I can think of things in terms of blocks of time, like weeks perhaps. and think, yeah, I fundamentally, uh, I've just come back, for example, from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival where I was for the whole month. And it's a really surreal time in the sense that it's, it's been years since it's been on in its yep. entirety because of COVID. And actually taking my body back to being that full of adrenaline and then that adrenaline dump every day for a month, you know. Uh, that's exhausting. Yeah, my body hated it, but I made it for the first time ever continued and it's so hard to keep cooking basically and not eat all I your meals ask, out actually because i think very hard to eat well yeah in that sort of traveling setting as well right because yeah i mean to... especially if you're not i mean it, i'm lucky enough that i can afford to eat out well if you know what i mean i can go for sushi or i can go for but but, but ultimately you, there will be times where you're working till 1am and then you're actually really bloody hungry just before you go to bed and then you can only get crap not nutritionally crap food um oh that's a bad thing to say i'll probably cut that out but like you can only get like chips at 1am you know there's not you can't find somewhere to go and get it's a um it's a big issue because it's not just yeah. Probably people going to Edinburgh Fringe is relatively yeah. narrow fraction. Yeah, I know. I've been quite niche. But there. if there's no, no, but if there's people listening to this who um, who do shift work, yeah. right? So if you are a nurse, for example, mm-hmm. um, or you're doing anything that is probably around the huge logistics, I think after COVID we realized, right, there's yeah. millions of people who actually allow us to sit at home. Then actually the food that you have is terrible. And I think yeah. I do think like nurses is a brilliant example of this because they're yeah. literally in hospitals, right? This is yeah. the thing where we're most focused on trying to keep people healthy and alive. Yeah. And the people who are working away there are yeah. basically getting given terrible food because yeah. often the only thing that's available is something out of a vending machine, right? So yeah. that's got to be ultra processed, can last for months yeah. without anything touching it. And uh and you haven't really got any alternatives. And no. if you do, there is real data around this. You know, if that is what you're eating um, consistently, then it only amplifies what is already a problem, which is shift work is really bad for your sleep, which is then very bad for your body. So right. I think these are this sort of access to to good food yeah. is one of the things I've got more and more passionate about because mm-hmm. you're right, you're at home. And if you can afford to buy yourself um food and you know how to make it then suddenly yeah. you can eat really well yeah the question is you know i have kids so yeah. i have a i have a 14 year old as well as a three-year-old and then we can talk about food amazing it's a really challenging thing but like my 14 year old he's just completely free right like he, right. he can do whatever he wants he yeah. can buy what he wants eat what he wants i'm i'm just struck by sort of how poor the food is if he just goes into like a corner shop right and yeah. you want to buy he's going to buy some snack yeah. it's like even if he was going to listen to me, which is by no means given, but even if he was going to listen to me, yeah, it's like really hard to find mm-hmm. food that actually, you know, I would feel is very good for you. So if you're going to yeah. making it, if you're making it hard for people to eat the food that's going to support your health, right, going yeah. to support these trillions of bacteria inside you, um, how, you know, how can you, how can you, ex- how can you be surprised? That we sort of had this epidemic of all of these um, of lifestyle people, diseases. That yeah, we yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so bonkers, isn't it? And that the nurse's example is so stark. I mean, it it's utterly bizarre that a hospital is such a hard place to get an, a really delicious, nutritionally great meal in. It's essentially kind of little sandwich shops or kind of pharmacies that have got a food fridge in with an ancient sandwich in it or bust, isn't it? Or vending machines. Absolutely bizarre. And but, but it, I mean, so I mean, I'm not I mean, it's more important to keep um, nurses healthy than comedians. That's an absolute no, given. I, 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 <laughs> I, I really do think I'll hold firm on that one. Um, I don't know. I, I think there were times in the last couple of years when we all really <laughs> needed a laugh, to be honest. So um, in all, you know, maybe to turn that into something more serious, I think yeah. that um, like mental health has been one of the biggest issues yeah. that has come out of COVID. And yeah. I think 
I myself found it really difficult. Yeah, me so, too. And I'm not someone who's historically really thought of themselves as having um, like a lot of mental health challenges. Yeah. And actually, I found it really tough, mm -hmm. right? As someone who's a quite extrovert, likes being with people and suddenly sort of being locked up in my house for such a long time. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I, I really felt it. So yeah. I think... Making people laugh is higher value than you are. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. Thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it is bizarre. And, and, and it was a bizarre month. It basically was a bizarre August in terms of, and it was really hard to look after yourself. And actually, I think the two things I promised myself I'd keep up this August, which I've never done for a whole fringe before, are my, I do weightlifting and CrossFit and I love it. And I thought, well, I won't be able to train with the regularity I do at home, but do some. You know, try and do at least half as much, and then um, and 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 I, I think kind of set realistic goals. I'm not going to be able to cook or batch cook in the way I would at home. Um, I have my son with me, and we'll get into that in a minute. But um, you know, actually, just make sure there's loads of plants in your diet all the way through. And um, it helped me into a point. I'd stay still by the last week. I thought my body is tired. But perhaps it took me longer. Hopefully it took me longer to start feeling like a bit of a withered husk than it had in previous years. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. With parenting, I feel like when my son was tiny, when he was a little baby, I had this real focus on making sure his you know, his diet was really great. You know, I made sure he, I loved having him try things for the first time. And I really, you know, but to my detriment, I would say, and, you know, I'd make sure there was all these different things for him to try. And he was getting loads of different types of food. Well, you're like, you're taking all of these really exotic foods and yeah. pureeing them and put them into tiny little things in the freezer. Is that frozen is that little pots? Still got the pots. Yeah. Uh, all of that. I I, I remember that. Uh, yeah, abs absolutely. It's part of the enormous parent guilt. Oh, that, the enormous uh, guilt that that a middle class parent in the Western world goes through now. <laughs> and where I, I think about my grandparents, if they saw this now, they'd just be like, "You're mad! What are you yeah. doing? Like, how do you, you know, how do you think any one of our ancestors ever had time to like puree little pots of yeah. aubergine and carefully spoon like <laughs> half a spoon into their mouth? But you, you were just like, oh, that's normal because that's what everybody else who uh, uh, is going through their first child is doing, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, do you have any friends who have like three or four children? Yeah, I do. And um, by the fourth child, that's not really happening, is it? That's um... no. I, I think what's funny is by the fourth child, like <laughs> you know, the, the fourth child's lucky to get fed at all. Right? I mean, there's three others. <laughs> There's three other children that you're worrying about. And so it's like, oh, you just have a bit of whatever's sort of around. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to feed the baby. So and, and what's interesting is they always seem to uh, grow up sort of, you know, 
uh, I'm an eldest child. And uh-huh, I'm me too. You know, if you're the youngest of the fourth, just much more well adjusted, sort of chilled yeah. out. Um, and I haven't seen the scientific evidence for this, but I, I, <clears throat> I would imagine that just as it's true that if you have a pet, that's actually better for sort of lower allergies and improved microbiome. Yeah. I would bet that if you have like, you know, five uh, older siblings, then in a similar way that nothing can possibly be as clean uh, as otherwise, yeah. that it's probably better for your microbiome as well. So uh, it's got to be the case, uh, isn't it? I think it's so. I'm not suggesting case. that everyone should have six children because no. I, pers- <laughs> I personally think two, two is definitely enough. I'm finding uh, one to be plenty. But yeah, well, I think um, <laughs> I, I think that they're wonderful, but they are an awful lot of work. Is yes, uh, a lot of work is agreed. clearly true. But uh, but uh, so we have this like middle class guilt, I think, and certainly in this country when it comes to feeding toddlers. But I now, even with one child, now that he's six, even as a child who's prepared to try anything, I would say now, you know, I'm I feel totally in control of what I eat again. But now getting what I would consider to be enough fruit and vegetables into him is an effort because that's not the things he's drawn to. That's not the foods that are targeted to him. Even in a really good restaurant, the kids menu will sometimes be rubbish, you know, and actually I'd say, well, why don't you choose from the grown up menu, actually, because all they've really got is nuggets and pizza on the kids menu. And it's more expensive, but that's frustrating as well to me that kids menus the assumption is that kids are only going to eat things that are yellow and fried. Like, it's like, well, (laughs) they're not making it easy. I think it's really interesting, right? Because, um, so I'm I'm, I'm sort of interested in going through this now with my, my little one who's, Mm. uh, who's just turned three. And before you even get to the, to what's available outside, I mean, what I'm struck by is how desperately hard she has worked to get rid of all the vegetables in her diet. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think um, I think that you're so pleased when they're 12 months old yeah. and they eat everything because at this point they're like, oh, everything is like, you know, they can't really differentiate. It's all new. It's all yeah. mush. So they'll eat every vegetable and every color. And then you turn around and age three, you suddenly discover that, as you said, they basically will only eat beige food. Yeah. Um, they'll take any, any starch, delighted by, <laughs> by yeah. a starch. Um, and... On everything else, like, hmm, it's got a lot of color in it. I'm not sure I really want that. Certainly, yeah. I mean, green is definitely out. But just in general, I do find um, it's really interesting. This. There is something that's not just society, right? There is yeah. something in- instinctive yeah. in um, in us as children that is sort of saying, I want these really energy, uh, dense, carb-heavy um, foods, you know, like yep. a pasta, right, for example, yeah. or and, bread, yeah, yeah. things that almost all children will very happily eat, yeah. very happy to eat chips, right? So layer on yeah. something which has got the fat on top, but still has this very simple, like low fiber, very energy dense. So they'll they'll eat all of that. And then they'll happily turn away from all these other, other things, which are like really healthy for them. As you said, you talked yeah. about, um, I mean, I'm struck that, um, you know, my daughter, even there's fruits, right? She used to love fruits, but you yeah. know, now she discovered what an ice cream is. Yeah. She's a lot less excited <laughs> than she was when she was, uh, you know, a year old. And yeah. I think it's interesting because that's hard. And I get anxious about it because there is, uh, you know, I have a bit of health anxiety. I have to be yeah. honest about it. And, um, and I worry about children and making sure that I'm sort of setting them up in the best possible way and i think with all of this latest science telling you just how important your your gut microbiome is about how eating the right food really can set you up for life i do worry that i know this as you said i think i've really improved i mean i ate terribly for the first half of my life more than half of my life but um really it's really hard to get them yeah yeah absolutely um it's really hard to get them to uh to eat well and i think you've just got you know, any parent listening will know you've got to pick your battles. Yeah. So I, I focus more on what's the thing that I can add. So, for example, mm-hmm. she really likes nuts. And That's so great. we we continue to push that. But we also make clear it's a treat. 
So yeah. you're not allowed limitless nuts because I think yeah. one of the things I've realized, it's like you're constantly negotiating with your children, yeah. isn't it? But if, you, if, if they can have limitless, they'd like lose interest. But if there's like some restriction, then clearly it's a, it's good. It's a treat. So yeah. um, I think I focus on that. And then she does still really like avocados. Interestingly, is one of the few right. things she hasn't thrown over. But it's 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 really hard. And as you said, that's before you go out, because I agree. And it's particularly true here in, in the UK. Right. The kids menu will yeah. literally be um, chicken nuggets, pasta with tomato sauce, burger and chips. And that's sort of it. Right. That's it's the it, same yeah. everywhere you go. And it's like, wow, there is no fiber in any of that. In fact, it's all just brown. Yeah. Um, and of course, that might be part of the option, but it's it makes it um, it it makes it. I think it's hard. It's part of the it's way tricky. that our diets. Yeah, yeah. And often there'll be like a kind of token that what you know you can you can have sweet corn or some cherry tomatoes beside that, and it's like oh, it would be better That's if right. you would just do you know a miniature portion of the vegetarian lasagna that's going to have maybe four vegetables in it. You know that. I don't know. Anyway, I think there's room for improvement there in terms of. Um, but then also, I suppose, is it supply and demand? I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works. I would love there to be yeah. more plant dense options for kids in mainstream restaurants with a kid's menu. Say scrum diddly umptious. And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Well, you talked about having sort of health anxiety. Let's talk about eating growing up for you. Absolutely. And, and I think it's relevant because when I ended up doing my own Zoe test, actually, I discovered that lots of things I had been eating were really not good. And I thought right. that I was eating healthily, which is one right. of the things I think was really, really surprising for me. But okay. I grew up so I, I, I grew up um, in a household where my dad had been diagnosed with high cholesterol uh -huh. um, in his like, uh, I think, like, late 20s so very early oh, right? wow, so yeah. they were very um concerned about this and that and the advice at that point from the doctors was you have to give up eating fat and any foods that contain cholesterol and right. so um my mother basically changed the whole and, and she she did the cooking at home basically from that point all onwards uh i think changed the whole diet to something that was really low in fat in right. order to um, be healthy for my dad and so I, as a result of what happens when you give up all of these fats is basically obviously you eat a lot more carbohydrates than you yeah. would do otherwise and in general what you do is you eat a lot more refined carbohydrates so you know i would grow up eating a lot of pasta for example yeah. at home which which i love who doesn't love mm. um uh pasta um definitely lots of uh bread um and i remember when i grew up like for my dad my dad loved eggs but for wow. him having an egg was like this really guilty treat like oh. having cake right because the doctors had said this is really terrible for you yeah. you must eat this egg so i remember it's like so these were so i grew up in um uh in in you know, and my mother is a good cook. She also works. So, you know, I think food was also, you know, dinner time was definitely something to prepare very fast after she got home. Yeah. Um, I definitely grew up eating a lot of carbohydrate and it was definitely influenced by this. Yeah. And, and I, I think one of the things that's interesting is we no longer believe in any of that advice. Yeah. <laughs> so basically everything, Jess, that my dad was told yeah. was wrong. And in fact, switching to the, to this much more, uh, like highly refined carbohydrate diet is is the opposite of what oh, would be gosh. at least sort of Zoe's cutting edge advice for, for what to do. So it's yeah. a classic example of why I think a lot of people listening, like I don't totally, I'm confused about what to eat. I don't know yeah. if I really believe, you know, the advice I've been given. And it's, it, you know, it is true that, you know, nutritional guidelines have really changed over time. So anyway, that is yeah. sort of what I, uh, I grew up a lot with. And um, if you think uh, thinking about like what I have changed going to Zoe. So one example of this was um, by the time I was doing Zoe, I was really, I was interested in food. I wanted to be eating um, uh, healthily. And so I would have porridge every morning for breakfast because right. you know, we've all seen all those ads, right? Telling you that it's like this heart healthy uh, food. It's like a really yeah. good uh, breakfast. You've seen those ads? Yeah. It's also another food that gets um, 
gets really promoted in the fitness world, I would say as well, because it's, you can add protein powders to it. You know, it's whole oats, it's slow burn energy. It's touted as like, it's kind of on, it's on the list of things that, you know, you think of as athletes as having every day, isn't it? Well, that's interesting. So I, when I did, actually it was even before you could get the Zoe test kit to be able to measure your own responses. I was actually part of one of the first uh, clinical studies where, um, they put a uh, a continuous blood sugar sensor on my arm, which is also something you do if you do the um, uh, the Zoe uh, Zoe product. And I could see what happened to my blood sugar. And what is amazing is I I ate my normal breakfast, yeah. and my blood sugar went through the roof. Okay. So rather than it being, as you described, this sort of slow release, really good food, I actually had some of the worst um, spike of my blood sugar. And I, I don't want to get into stuff that's that's really technical right here, but basically yeah. it's not, you know, if you're, if you're sending your, your blood sugar through the sky, that's generally not a very good thing. Yeah. And that's what was happening with this porridge. And part wow. of this is because it turned out that my blood sugar control is really bad. So Jess, you know, I um, I was really surprised by this right. because I was not particularly uh, overweight. Um, you know, I wasn't worried about this, but actually, my blood sugar control was amongst the worst of all the people who went through this study. God. And therefore, these foods that were yeah, it's not good, is it? Um, no. On the other hand, it turns out that my blood fat control. So uh-huh. this is what happens when you eat when you eat foods with fat in them. So yeah. whether that's uh, an egg or cheese or oil or whatever, that actually that goes into your blood. So you have blood fat. Oh, like right. people have heard of cholesterol. So that's an example. It's one of the fats in your uh. in your blood. It turns out my control of that is really good. And oh, so wow. the guidance uh, for me, I, you know, there's lots of then uh, further, but but sort of one of the the core consequences is. I was basically eating this very carb-heavy diet. I was not eating any cheese. I'd understood cheese was really bad for me. I'd actually given up a bunch of this because I'd been worried about uh, food intolerances. And so suddenly turning all of this on its head and saying, you know, the thing that was probably, uh, if I was eating bread and cheese, the thing that was going to cause me the issue was the bread and not the cheese. Well, that's pretty transformational. Yeah, my, My breakfast has completely changed i don't eat any of this porridge um i do still eat uh pasta because i love pasta but i switched that to whole wheat pasta and that um is significantly better um and how i think about composing these these meals is very different because of the results that uh that i had but um you know there are other people who do um who do the tests and discover that actually you know quite the reverse their blood sugar control is really good. Um, and in that case, you know, I think, I mean, I think we all know this, right? We all know people where, you know, somebody says, oh, I eat exactly the same as my yeah. husband or my wife. And, you, and, 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 yeah. and I think generally it's assumed that they're just not telling the truth. But well, I, I love that it feels pretty conclusive now that two people can eat exactly the same thing and it have an entirely different impact on their body. Um, so, so I think this is exactly true. Now, I don't want anyone to go away and study think, Oh, you mean I might be allowed to eat, you know, Oreos all day long um, or, you know, I mean, maybe they, they you know, can, they can maybe, do what they like. But yes, they can do, they can do what they like. Can, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to suddenly yeah. say maybe to be clear, we're not suddenly going to say there's nobody when we've done this test and we said, you know what, the best possible healthy food for you is like an Oreo or chocolate cake, you know, or, uh, you know, a Coca-Cola. Like we don't see that. And similarly, there's no one where we're saying, oh, you know what? Kale is bad for you or spinach. That doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, the basic concepts of what's good and and bad are clearly true, but actually so much of this is about what happens in the middle, right? Like, can I eat eggs? Can I eat cheese? If I do want to eat, you know, a bagel, is there a way that I can construct a meal around that that's going to be good for me? Well, that answer might be quite, you know, different um, than for somebody else. And I think the other thing that's interesting is it could be quite different through your life. So one of the things that we, one of the things that I think is most interesting in the research for me, because, you know, I basically was so ignorant around this is the huge change that happens as women go through perimenopause and menopause. And, um, you know, when I was growing up- most of our studies haven't been done on women, sadly. So I'm glad that's changing too. 
I think it's it's well, there's a whole thing about this extraordinary. Um, they had rules in America for for a few decades, basically excluding women oh. from uh, from you uh, from scientific studies uh, for for what they believed were good reasons. Yeah. To be fair, because they were worried about things after uh, about about people being pregnant mm-hmm. um, and and Cyprus. But obviously, I think. Uh, like really shocking but yeah. i think what's what's amazing is that in in our studies what we've seen is that there's a profound change in the way that we metabolize our food um right. as we go through life but the menopause in particular you see this really radical shift and for I've on had average, a lot of example, anecdotal conversations no. about that with friends who say like i just cannot eat what i used to eat and actually in some instances don't want to if they're quite intuitive and in how they eat. Um, but a lot of like, you know, uh, just people s- s- really struggling with that change, I think. Um, well, I so think it's that's amazing, hard, right? So if yeah, you're basically saying, I've been eating exactly the same way, yeah. you know, maybe since I was 20 until I was 45. So like, you know exactly how your body works. Yeah. And then suddenly you're continuing to eat the same way. But you're feeling really different. Like, yeah, it's, I think it's not surprising that that is um, uh, it's difficult to deal with. Right. Because and that, and that is that. So menopause affects what you were talking about, um, blood sugar control and blood fat control, essentially. So basically the way that um, so, so firstly, everybody is responding differently. So it's not right. like just one. Um, you know, one rule. So what what I what I'm talking about here is sort of the averages. So if you look at, for example, the average of how well um uh, a woman metabolizes, let's say like a regular standard UK lunch, which has quite a lot of fat in it. And what you see is that on average, interestingly, women are better at metabolizing food that has a lot of fat in it than men Mm -hmm. up until menopause. And there's right. a really big difference. So on average, uh, you know, you and I might eat, I don't, you know, three eggs, for example, or mm. you know, a uh, a bunch of uh, a few donuts or whatever it is, and you might well metabolize that significantly better than me. After uh, menopause, the gap between men and women basically falls away. So, right. um, so what that means is that for a woman, on average, your ability to metabolize that food is much worse. And so you might well fail. You know what? I used to always have like, you know, that treat at 11 o'clock in the morning and it was fine and it was fine. But mm. now actually, because your body has physically changed, right? Your biology has changed. Your ability to cope with that without it your body not being able to clear this fat and it then yeah. leading to inflammation, which then has all of these knock-on effects. Like it's just true that your body has changed. And yeah. so, you know, and I think we have, we have basically treated the whole topic as taboo. So when I was yeah. growing up, no one talked about menopause at all. So again, I was saying it's really embarrassing. I never really thought about it because it wasn't something that anyone talked well, about. Well, and even pre-menopause, I mean, I think that I feel like I'm part of the first generation who talk just in terms of like differences in how your body functions in terms of fitness, but also in terms of hunger and fullness and perception of hunger and fullness just around a menstrual cycle. I feel like I'm the first generation who are openly talking about, and even when I was at school, we wouldn't have, but in the way that young women are now, I mean, it's amazing the progress that's been made in, in this, in the space of two generations, really in that sense. Um, and it is amazing, right? Because yeah. uh, these are obviously really fundamental. And by the way, that is another reason why a lot of studies have not been done on on women, because there's mm. all of this added complexity if you're doing nutritional studies. Yeah. If you've got this sort of monthly cycle, there are real metabolic changes. Uh, so if, if any of these scientists doing these studies, they can see the difference between right. what's happening. And so that adds a lot of complexity, right? Because unless yeah. you've got a large enough number of people, yeah. you might get them in and get them all to come back in two weeks later. Well, actually shifts... Um, in your menstrual cycle are part of what you might end up measuring. So you can see that mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, it'd be much simpler to just measure men. And if yeah. you've got a small budget and you can only afford to do a study on 25 people, which is what most nutritional science yeah. studies are like, you can see how well-intended scientists, and this includes a lot of female scientists yeah. uh, over the last decade, are still like, you know what, it's actually you can't do this science because yeah. of that added complexity. Um, that doesn't excuse this. Yeah. I think it just tells you you need to do much larger studies. Yeah. And that's a lot of sort of the the the, the story behind Zoe is this idea. If you could start to measure 
thousands of people. We now have more than 30,000 people who um, have, uh, have bought the product and everyone who buys the product can join the, um, the science studies as well. And almost everyone does. Then that allows you to start to understand things. It's just not possible if you're just measuring, you know, 25 people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and so can anybody now um, sign up to Zoe and test their, how their body responds to different things that they're eating and become part of this mega study? So if, if they're listening in the UK, then yeah. uh, we are live, but we have a wait list. So we've been uh, sort of overwhelmed by uh, the level of excitement, surprised. which is fantastic, yeah. um, really fantastic. And I think very um you know, really lucky. Uh, and so we are ramping up production very fast. We actually launched in April. And at that point, you know, we we're just shifting sort of the first 50 kits a week. We're now, um, we're, we're now selling more than a thousand a week. So it's ramping up fast. There's a Amazing. wait list that you can sign up onto. And we expect to, you know, to get out of that wait list uh, fairly soon. But I have to be honest that, you know, the, the the interest is continuing. And so we are ramping up the um, the ability, but there is going to be a bit of a wait. Yeah. But it is available to uh, everybody once you're willing to put up with this uh, this little wait. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's what we've been really excited about, which is to take that's all so of this exciting. science and my, um, you know, the scientists we work with, ultimately, they're really motivated by trying to solve these scientific problems and then yeah. try and make this this available to people so yes you can um buy the product it, it starts with a test kit that you do uh, at home yeah. uh, where you measure your gut microbiome so you have to give yeah. us a sample of your poo um <laughs> which we uh we take off and we do something called uh, shotgun sequencing so we like smash it up into millions of pieces which is pretty cool to understand all the microbes that are inside you and what's what's wow. amazing jess is that you and I will share maybe 30% of the Whoa, bacteria between that's us. It. Exactly. And yet your DNA is 99% the same as mine. So, you know, what? you and I are almost the same on DNA, but all those microbes inside you are different. Yeah. And there are about as many microbes inside you as you have cells. So you could think about yourself as being like half human being, half bacteria. I love it. So it's disgusting, but I really love it. Mmm, delicious. Card sharks evolve into an actual thing. It's like a giant land-based shark that can also still swim, um, uh, but it thinks like 50 moves ahead. It's got the luck of the Celtic, um, and it begins to take over land and sea, these card sharks, winning everything in sight, winning, eating everything in sight until there's nowhere left safe to hide apart from up in the sky. And because humans can't fly yet... It's an absolutely disgusting massacre. This is an apocalypse of the card sharks. Luckily, they've agreed to go back to never having existed, but only if you, and weirdly, it does have to be you, Jonathan, sing as part of a digital choir nonstop for 15 hours. Um, so your mouth is busy, no snacks, no breaks, all whilst being strapped into a massage chair that's been put on an unpleasantly violent setting. It sounds impossible, but you do it. You're a hero. Um, you go down in history as the person who saved us all from a card shark apocalypse. Um, so your award really is the adulation of all people for all time, but your award in the moment, and bear in mind you are starving from being strapped to that chair and singing for all those hours, is the feast of your dreams. Now, it's the opposite of a last meal because you couldn't be happier, you couldn't be hungry. I would love to know in a fantasy situation where I actually couldn't really care about health consequences or any other consequences. What would you eat? What would you drink? And if there's a who with and where, who with and where? Well, well Jess, I have to say that is a very impressive build up, which I can see yeah. might <laughs> take a quite a few episodes to get to. Yeah. So, um, well, I definitely wouldn't be worrying about the health consequences no. is the answer. So I think I would be thinking about the pleasure. And I think um, I think one of the things that food does is it really um, grounds you into your memories. Yes. So I'm sure you have that experience where you eat something and it pulls you back to some other previous uh, events. And I think, at least in my case, the stuff that's strongest is the stuff from childhood. That yes. this is, you know, this is what's most powerful. So um, we regularly went on holiday when I was a child to Italy, to uh, a place uh, by the coast in in Liguria, in the sort of northwest uh, wow. of of Italy. Which was like these amazing, you know, this amazing holiday we would do every couple of years. And so I think it's it's the food from there 
that uh, that I would choose. And it's a place actually that I, I, I still go back to um, with with my own family. So I think I would definitely have a, a seafood pasta, probably like a mm. spaghetti scolio is what they call it uh, there, which is like all the different uh, crustaceans and things like this. So definitely not a vegetarian uh, meal. Um, so I think that's what I would have as um, my uh, my main. And then the dessert has to be an Italian gelato. And oh. uh, when I'm on holiday, that's probably a daily activity anyway, because Get it's in. just just too good do you have and, favorite uh, flavors uh so they i think they varied over time mm-hmm. it's interesting my my son my son refused to eat anything but strawberry for the first like eight years of his life that he finally moved to chocolate and was nice. willing to do chocolate and strawberry which is basically where he is now interestingly my okay. three-year-old in her very first trip just now has already tried like a dozen flavors of ice cream. So it just, just goes to show I like this difference. It. It's not just like how old you are. It's like, oh, she's still trying. So I would say probably pistachio mm, and sweet. chocolate and then some sort of fruit one, like maybe oh, a peach or something like this. Because yeah, I did just save the world. So I'm allowed like you can have three large you scoops, yeah, aren't 100%. I? 100%. I, I, I think that's probably what I'd go with. Oh. And there would have to be a really nice bottle of uh, of red wine to go with this uh, nice. as well. I think I I'm I'm probably allowed to. Uh, uh, we have a gen- the general feedback is like a glass of red wine is really not that bad. Um, nice. We all know that if you drink uh, half a bottle or more, it's really not very good. But I guess that if I just saved the Who entire cares world this time, then, then you can have. Then, a, I think you then, probably need a then, bottle. Then, to then, be honest, then I, I can probably. I can probably. I, I agree. I think I can probably. Uh, <laughs> probably overindulge more more yeah. than I would uh, normally. I'm not a very big drinker, but I think in this particular case, I think that's what we'd be going. Uh, that that's where I would go. I think. Oh, it sounds amazing! You've chosen things that are. I would also be close to choosing. I love it. I love those um, those options. Also, it, it's funny, isn't it? Like, I think sometimes even when you're talking about conjuring memories, but even when you're just describing those types of food, you can really see them as you're saying them, like, and taste them almost. Incredible. Oh, lovely choices. And thank you so much um, for doing my silly podcast. Not at all, Jess. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your positivity about what we're we're trying to do. And uh, I love it. I think it's so interesting. I hope you will you will give it a go. I will. At some point, I need to do it, don't I? I'm going to get myself on that wait list. You you should, and I'd love to hear your your feedback. It's it's a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, you know, the science is still. You know, all of this is still at early days. We're going to learn more and more and more. So you know, I would just leave with that. It's not like we have all the answers. All of this sure. is still early but i think we are on this amazing path where we really can get better and better at understanding um you know what's right for each of us i love it great thank you so much you're very welcome bye-bye bye-bye what a brilliant episode are you intrigued now about zoe i bet you are and they are just at zoe on social media zoe and there's a link tree on there um where you can sign up to the waiting list to be part of the research and find out all that stuff about your own personal reactions to different types of eating or um just to find their really interesting and brilliant podcast which is called zoe science and nutrition um I need to explain to you um, that if you were to want to take part in it, you need to give them your weight, um, like how much you weigh. Um, but you do not need to then track your weight in any way. That's not a necessary part of it. But that is part of the initial questions they ask you. So it's something I'm going to think about before I decide whether or not I'm definitely going to sign up for that. Um, and they also, for obvious reasons, I think because it requires such attention to detail in terms of what people are eating and monitoring sort of your bloods and stuff like that. They don't want to work with people who are suffering with eating disorders, etc. because they're very aware that that level of monitoring could be triggering on un- unhelpful um so that's you fully informed hopefully about whether it's a process you think could be useful for you i should also add you do have to pay for it it's not free to access thank you so much for listening to this podcast i loved making that episode i love making almost every episode of this no the almost the cheeky ones amongst you um but that one i think was a bit brilliant and clever there's so much fascinating stuff going on isn't there 
um, in this field of research. Um, make sure you're following the podcast, won't you, at The Hoovering Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm on there, at Jessica Fosterkew. I would love to have you join me in the audience of the next Hoovering Live, 1pm Saturday the 8th of October at London's Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival in sunny Ballum. Come and have lunch with me and a couple of amazing guests, which if you look on the Hoovering social media at the Hoovering Pod will by now have stopped being secret and be thoroughly announced. Come and see me on tour with my new show Wench. I'm on tour right now, right through until the end of November. I would love to see you um, as I come through near to wherever you live. Link to all the things I've just mentioned including everything interesting that Jonathan and I mentioned throughout the podcast are as ever in the podcast notes anything longer than a tweet you want to um, send me you can also email me through my website which is where there are also links to all of my live shows jessicafosterq.com huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway until in two weeks happy Hoovering 